Good morning. It is good to see you. I'm glad you're here with us. And I do hope if you missed the announcement about Easter week that you'll take advantage of what we're doing uh, starting next Sunday, Palm Sunday. Uh, will be a, a unique service. Children will be involved and we'll have the spring fling after, Lord willing, weather permits. And we'll go to Forest Hills and have a great time celebrating. And then on Good Friday, 530 here at Haytai, Easter Sunday, 9 and 1045, we do have flyers. If you so uh, feel so inclined to take with you some flyers to invite people to come with you Easter Sunday. We'd love for you to do that. You can grab those after the service. But we are nearing the end of the series we've been in as we head towards Easter. Uh, we've been in a series on the Ten Commandments. If you've been here, you have heard us say that the Ten Commandments are God's pathway of living in relationship with Him and with others. And as we walk this pathway We reflect God by loving Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we reflect Him as we love our neighbor as ourselves. I mentioned a few weeks ago that the Ten Commandments could be broken down into the two tables of the law. The first table are Commandments 1 through 4, and if you were to summarize Commandments 1 through 4, they are love God. And the second table of the law are Commandments 5 through 10, and if you had to summarize Commandments 5 through 10, they would be love your neighbor. God's pathway that he calls the Christian to walk is to love him and to love our neighbor. I heard one pastor describe the Ten Commandments like a painting that would be hanging in your house, hanging there for years. Uh, And every now and then you might stop and look at this painting and meditate on it and notice something new, something different that you've never seen before about the painting. I like that image because the Ten Commandments for many of us is familiar. It's been around, it's been in our lives, but if we spend time with them and in them, I think it can have this effect. We begin to understand new things. We begin to see God and others and ourselves a little bit more clearly. This morning we are looking at the Ninth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Maybe you've heard it put this way, you shall not lie. I think bearing false witness definitely includes not lying, but it's so much more than that. This command is much wider and deeper than we realize, and we've seen that with most of the commandments. Now, as I've spent time in study and meditation on this commandment this week, something has struck me. Churches do not fracture. They don't split. They don't break apart. They don't splant. They don't fracture. And churches do not burn or hurt people primarily through big scandals like stealing money or someone who's being assaulted, though those things do happen within churches. Primarily, the thing that causes churches that cause churches to fracture and the thing that causes people to be hurt or burned by the church is one small anatomical body part that has profound power upon the whole body of Christ the tongue. Our words are talk. How people talk about each other and how people are talked to. I think this can be from the pulpit or it can be talk that happens out there or talk that happens when people stand by their car after church or when they're on the phone with someone or when they're together in homes or coffee shops or restaurants. How people talk to each other and about each other can inflict damage upon the whole community. This is a commandment that I know I have broken and will break, and I know many of you have broken. 
And so I want to read God's word and I want to pray and I want to ask God to protect our community, to build our community up as we look at this ninth commandment. So if you are able, I'm going to ask you to stand as is our custom to give attention to God's word. I'm going to read one verse out of Exodus 20 and then three verses out of Ephesians chapter 4. This is God's word to us this morning. Exodus 20 verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Ephesians 4, 15, 16, and then verse 25. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Isaiah 40 tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would come now and speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you bring to life the scriptures so that they grab a hold of our hearts, illumine our thoughts, change the way we live. Lord, you need to do that. And so would, would you come and speak to us, remove me so that Christ and Christ alone is exalted and so that we're changed because we've encountered you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, an article in the New York Times came out this week and it was titled, False Confession, Mistaken Witnesses, Corrupt Investigation, Why 139 Innocent People Went to Jail. The article broke down how 139 people this past year have been exonerated for crimes that they had been wrongfully charged with. 80 people set free by the help of organizations like the Innocence Project. Of the 139 set free this past year, a total of 1,478 years were lost. The 139 spent collective 1,478 years wrongfully in prison. 84 of the 139 were exonerations because of misconduct, meaning many witnesses were pressured or threatened to bear false witness. An average of 10.6 years spent behind bars for a crime they did not commit because of false witnesses. Devastating impact on a person's life because someone untruthfully testified as a witness. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness. Translated into my own words, you shall not speak or testify what is untrue or insincere in a way that causes harm to your neighbor. If you do, the result can be devastating on a person's life or on a community. I gave the example of wrongful witness in today's criminal cases for a few reasons. One, we can begin to feel the weight of untruthful testimony when we hear those staggering statistics. The second is that the primary meaning of this commandment given to Israel dealt with the judicial system for Israel, telling the truth as a witness in a courtroom of justice. The dealing of justice to one accused of a crime was dependent on a witness. And understanding this helps us feel the weight of this command. I mean, courtroom 
justice for Israel was not complicated. There were no lawyers. There were no fingerprints. There were no detectives. Everything depended on witnesses. So much more than today, witnesses could hold decisive sway in the courtroom. The responsibility of a witness to tell the truth was so weighty that the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 17 that a defendant could be sentenced to death at the testimony of two to three witnesses. Words could be fatal. Deuteronomy 19 tells us that someone who's unmasked as a false witness was to receive the punishment that the accused would have received. The whole point was truth-telling for the protection of your neighbor and for the administration of justice. It was established as a way to safeguard all of life for every person. But when that system of justice becomes corrupt by false witnesses, prejudiced judges, when truth is no longer the driver but personal gain or political victory is the driver, that place or even that country becomes a place where freedom vanishes and fear reigns because people are no longer neighbors, each one to another, but they become wolves preying on each other. Herein lies the heart of this commandment. Not handling truth truthfully does damage to the whole community. I've said before that these negative commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, have positive implications. Here's the positive way to state the ninth commandment. Speak the truth in love for the sake of your neighbor. Speak the truth in love for the sake of your neighbor. And that sounds a lot like the passage I read in Ephesians chapter 4, which is a passage about followers of Jesus being part of the one body of Christ, united one to another. Verse 15 of Ephesians 4, Christ is the head. Verse 16, we are the body. Verse 25, therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Telling the truth is not abstract and out there. It is vital and connected to building genuine community. We are members of one another. And we are called to create a community that is true and loving and safe. Therefore, we speak the truth in love. Now, our society and our culture teaches us that lying is almost acceptable. Now, everybody condemns lying, but almost everybody commits it. Using the tongue for falsehood, it's become widely accepted. For personal end or for personal gain, it's almost an end, a means unto an end. Let me give you an, an example of, of this, kind of the breadth and depth of this commandment. Let's say Mr. X is accused of stealing some money at the office. But the truth is, he did not steal money. Three witnesses come in who know he didn't do it. Mr. A says, yes, he did it. Mr. B says, I saw him there the night of the crime. And Mr. C is silent, says nothing breaks the commandment. All three. All three of these witnesses have broken the commandment. One told a factual inaccuracy, another part of truth shaded the truth, and the other was silent. But all bore false witness against their neighbor. First thing I want us to look this morning is how do we break this commandment? 
How do we break it? And I want to look at how we break this commandment by looking at truth and love. How do we break it in relationship to this call to be truthful and loving in our speech? Let's look at breaking this commandment with our words by speaking no truth and no love. No truth, no love. This happens in lying, which we all kind of think of when we think of this commandment. But lying is speaking falsehood for the purpose of deceiving. Speak something false, untrue, for the purpose of deception. Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden with a lie. That's what led them into sin. He is the father of all lies, the master of deception. And I think it's a shame that Christians can often reflect the image of the enemy more than we do the image of God. Slander. It's talking falsehood, something untrue about another person for the purpose of harming them. Defamation. It's set, you're set on taking a person down, ruining their reputation by speaking something false. Breaking a vow. You make a promise, and it could be a big one like marriage or a small promise, but you never follow through on what you said you would do. Others depend on you, and you don't follow through, and you're breaking this commandment. All of these things tear apart relationship. All of them break down community. Let's look at breaking this commandment by speaking truth without love. Truth without love. One of the most prominent examples of this is gossip. Gossip's not always speaking something false. You actually and most often speak truth, but you do so without love for your neighbor, without discretion. And gossip is like poison. It ruins any church, any community, any relationship. And the thing about gossip is that it can be done piously meaning it's cloaked in spirituality. Because we can say things as Christians like, well, hey, I'm telling you this in confidence, but I'm worried about so-and-so. We need to be praying for so-and-so. Gossip. One commentator said, gossip tastes delicious in the mouth, but it's bitter in the stomach. Gossip is harmful to the community because the person who's being talked about is not present to defend themselves and People's imaginations can run wild with the information they're receiving. So let me give you three questions to help you determine if you're gossiping. Here's the first question. Is what I'm about to say true? Is what I'm about to say true? Second, if so, does it really need to be said to this person in this conversation? Third, would I put it this way if the person I am talking about were here? Let me just remind all of us who are members of Christ Central. One of the vows that we took in becoming members of this church was to not gossip about one another. Speaking the truth divorced from love kills your neighbor. Therefore, it kills community. Look at breaking this commandment by speaking love without truth. Love without truth. One instance of this is flattery. This is saying something to another person because you know they want to hear it, but you have a purpose, you have an agenda to get something back, a response back like, oh, girl, you look so good. And you know, you're just saying it because you want them to go, oh, no, you look better. You look good. Or, man, you're killing your job. You're doing such a good job. And you want want them to go, no, no, you're doing a good job. You've got an ulterior motive for why you're saying what you're saying. It's flattery. False witness. 
Let me give you another one. Silence. Silence is breaking this command. Being non-confrontational. Love without truth. You're not saying hard things. You're sitting back and you're not speaking up when you know you should. I bet we all have someone in our mind that we care deeply about. And we know we need to say something to them for their good, for their protection. But we're worried about the awkwardness. We're worried about how they might receive it, and so we shrink back and we remain silent. Truth and love. Truth and love. You can't go around blowing people up with truth and have no love. But you can't remain silent in the name of love and never speak truth. Truth without love is easy. It's blowing people up left and right, and you will lose community. Love without truth is also easy, but you'll find you don't have a community worth very much. See how these six commandments, the last six, deal with loving neighbor. But this commandment, if you noticed, is the only commandment that expressly mentions the word neighbor. Because this command has profound power in the building up of genuine community or the tearing down of community. This is how we break this commandment. Let's look at why. Why do you, you think we break this commandment? I think there are a lot of different reasons we break this commandment. I think they're all rooted in a common purpose, but let me give you a few reasons. Malice. I think malice is a reason we break this commandment. I think we can often be the walking wounded who go around wounding other people. And we may not even wound the person who hurt us, but because we're so deeply wounded and hurt, we strike daggers and to other people with our words. We hurt others because of the hurt we are walking around with. That's malice. Pride is another. Pride, it's a, a protection of our own name, the protection of our own reputation, and we'll go to any length to further our own interest. Pride. I think fear is another reason uh, we break this commandment. That we're deeply scared. Now, it may not always look like we're scared on the outside because we're pretty good at managing our exterior, but if we feel threatened in some way, we could speak out falsely. But if we're scared to miss out on an opportunity at work or an opportunity at school, we can shade the truth. If we're scared we're going to lose favor with someone, we can trash our rival or flatter someone hoping that they're going to remain our friend. You can add reasons like contempt and revenge and fraud multiple reasons, but you know all of these are rooted in a common purpose, the purpose of self-regard, a deep, deep desire for self. To put it simply, we break this commandment when we want to shield ourselves from exposure and to further our own self-interest. One pastor said, false witnesses are set on maximizing personal comfort and minimizing personal discomfort. Everyone in here has the propensity and the tendency to be bent inward, turned inward on, in on ourselves, to live life with the self at the center. So if fear pops up or pride pops up or malice pops up within us, we look out for ourselves, which is the very opposite of what God is calling us toward in these commandments, to love Him and to love our neighbor. So why do we need to change? And we all need to change. Why do we need to change? Because by breaking this commandment, we are sabotaging the very thing that we all long for and desire. 
a safe community of loving relationships that look out for one another. And our culture breeds bearing false witnesses, uh, or bearing false witness. Advertising, it's built on this. Fake news, alternative facts do this. Social media is one of the major ways we can bear false witness about our neighbor. And social media is a place where we can do it without risking anything. Behind the comfort of our computer at home or behind you know, the comfort of our own phone. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of all the news sources speaking out against one another. I'm tired of politicians saying one thing and meaning another. And I'm so tired of everyone getting on social media and talking to and about each other in harmful ways. The problem is not technology or news outlets. The problem is us and our hearts. We just have new avenues to bear false witness against our neighbor. So thought runs through your mind. It's those people over there who are the problem. And it's the right-leaning people, those Fox News people, or it's the left-leaning people, the MSNBC people, or it's those families or those singles or those men or those women. Be careful. Check yourself. because You might be breaking this commandment. And doing so produces devastating results for a community. From the place of this local church, unto the city, unto a country. It creates instability because we're not sure what's true anymore. It creates insecurity because I'm afraid someone's going to attack me. Produces anxiety and isolation and hiding the very antithesis of a safe and loving community, which is what we all long for and were created for and what this ninth commandment protects and seeks to produce. Is it harmless to not truth-tell? Far from harmless. Well, how can we change? That's the question. How can we change? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And then he says in verse 18, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Nine weeks into this series, I hope we're seeing that God is not giving these commandments for the sake of behavior modification. He is attacking and coming aggressively at our hearts and what our hearts worship. And more often than not, we worship ourselves, which prevents us from loving God and loving neighbor. Let me read Psalm 15 for you. Psalm 15 is a place I've spent time in this week, and let me encourage you to to read it this week. Read it multiple times. Pray through it. Ask God to search your heart as you do, but let me read it here. It's not very long. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend and whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. So I read Psalm 15. If you're honest and you truth-tell, our first response is guilty. Guilty, which should lead us to confess. You see, if we're going to obey this commandment, we have to start by speaking the truth to God about ourselves. 
And the truth is, we all live turned inward, in on ourselves. Therefore, we lie and we slander and we gossip and we flatter and we remain silent because we have a high view of self. Speaking the truth in love for the sake of our neighbor is hard. So we confess the ways we don't. And then we turn in faith to the only one who is truth and love. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We come to Jesus who said in John 15 verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. John 8, 31, he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's the same one who John 13, verse 1 says, And Jesus loved his own to the end. John 18, 37 says, For this purpose, Jesus says, I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus is the only one who perfectly holds truth and love together. He is the only one who walked blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart at all times. Jesus is the only one who could ascend the hill of the Lord. The only one in who truth and love perfectly connect. Yet Jesus was put to death on a hill outside of Jerusalem. As others bore false witness against him, condemning him to death. Truth and love perfectly meeting in the person of Jesus, who is the faithful witness, who took our punishment, bore the justice of our sin because of our false witness. He had to bear the justice so that we could be set free. He came to build a people and a community that could live in safety and security with one another and with God. And so let me encourage you this morning, to confess the ways that you do not truth tell. Confess your malice, your pride, your fear. Confess your great love of self-regard and self-protection and self-advancement. Confess to God. And many of us might need to confess to someone else in this room. And then turn to Jesus, who is truth and love, and trust His forgiveness Allow him to lead you to truth tell for the sake of your neighbor so that we can live in a safe and loving community. The tongue is oh so small, but it's oh so powerful. Out of our mouth come praise for God and curses for humanity. Out of our mouth comes worship and deception. So may our hearts be set upon Jesus so that our tongues are directed to give Him praise and speak truth and love to one another. And may God protect His church. May He protect our church and create in us the type of community that Durham longs to be a part of. Let's pray. God, I ask that You would lead us to confess, to be truthful, and in this truth of our own confession, we find the truth of Jesus who heals and restores and forgives, and we're set free to love, to love one another and to love you. Lord, be with us now as we come to your table, as you've been with us this whole service. In Jesus' name, amen.